If you are looking to elevate your leadership and drive your nonprofit forward, I invite you to subscribe to the Successful Nonprofits newsletter. Every week, I curate exclusive shareworthy content that sparks inspiration, innovation, and conversation. From the latest trends to timeless advice, the weekly email newsletter is your all-access pass to a treasure trove of resources. But receiving the newsletter is not just about staying informed. It's also about getting our best content first. Subscribers get first access to our newest downloadable templates designed to propel your leadership and amplify your impact. And that's not all, my friend. We are constantly working on new ways to support you and your mission. So as a subscriber, you'll get updates on our latest projects, opportunities to participate in surveys, and a say in the topics that we tackle next. You will essentially get me as a consultant, coach, and confidant in your inbox, ready to help you navigate the challenges of nonprofit leadership. So if you're an executive director, board chair, or a nonprofit leader who believes in making a difference, join me as a newsletter subscriber. Visit SuccessfulNonprofits.com forward slash newsletter to sign up today. And now, friend, let me take you to the episode you've downloaded. Welcome to the Successful Nonprofits Podcast. I'm your host, Dolph Goldenberg. Friends, I'm wondering where empathy fits into your nonprofit strategy. I'll be frank and say I've never put a lot of thought into how empathy fits in my strategy, so you might not have either. And if you have never asked yourself this question, our episode today with Tim Leon is essential listening. Imagine having a superpower that helps people connect with you and your organization. And that superpower also helps you feel happier and more connected with the world around you. Well, friend, that superpower, it's empathy. And empathy's a muscle, right? So that means if we don't use it, we start to lose it some. But the more we use it and the more we work on it, the more that muscle can be built. So I'm very happy that Tim, Leon, and I are going to be able to have this conversation today Tim runs a strategic marketing agency that is literally powered by empathy. He and his agency serve nonprofits, colleges, schools, and businesses. Now, most of their clients are on the large size. So we today are going to get a high level of expertise regardless of our budget's ability to afford it. Hey, Tim, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dolph. It's great to be here. Tim, when we had a pre-recording conversation last week, you had mentioned to me the importance of the personal brand promise. Yes. And that all started from that whole idea of starting with why. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the book from Simon Sinek called Start With Why, but the whole premise of that book is people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And that idea of understanding your why whether your why is an individual, every person should have a why, or whether you're an organization. Why should people engage with you? Why should people care about your organization? And that's really kind of empathy is kind of that key to getting in and not only understanding your why, but living it. 
and, and practicing empathy throughout the organization, whether it's internally with employees, externally with your donor audience or your vendors, your partners, whatever. It really, as you said earlier, it's kind of the driver of everything. So help me understand how knowing and communicating our why is also our, our brand promise. Sure. You know, what I would say to that is, you know, you as an, or, an organization understanding what their donors or their employees, whatever, what do they expect from your brand, right? And it's really in the past three or four years, and I would say it was precipitated by the pandemic, but the expectation of people toward brands has changed. They've really heightened what their expectation is. They want brands to really meet them where they are in life <laughs> and meet them, understand their plight. And I use the term plight. I mean, it's not enough anymore to do the old, oh, we've done the persona. We understand our audience. Do you really understand where your audience is coming from? I saw an interesting uh, definition when I started this whole empathy thing here uh, at Gaia Leon is from an Austrian psychologist psychiatrist named Alfred Adler. He says, empathy is seeing with the eyes of another, hearing with the ears of another, and feeling with the heart of another. Now that's, you know, that's a, that's going way beyond just putting yourself in someone's shoes, right? But I think that is, again, if you build a brand promise today for your organization, it needs to address the individual needs and wants of that audience that you're trying to get to. And I think that's, again, it's going a little more visceral. And that takes research, that takes, well, I call it conversational research, really sitting down with some of the folks that you're trying to get to and really understanding them on a level that's deeper because that's what they expect from you. So, Tim, give us some tools and tips here when you and your marketing agency, Guile Leon, are working with an organization, especially a nonprofit, that is trying to understand from someone else's eyes, ears, and heart and communicate that. How do you help them do that? Sure. I'll start with an easy one. I call it listening and learning. Most nonprofits have an advisory board, correct? Or a major donor base that they have really great relationship with. I advise all of my nonprofit clients to pick 10, 15, 20 of those individuals or go to the board, this advisory board, if you have one. And if you don't, I would highly encourage you to start one. These are the people that really care about your nonprofit and really are engaged, right? And, and sitting down with them one-on-one, -on -one. I don't like a focus group with everybody in the room, but maybe it's a 15 or 20-minute conversation. Again, with 10 or 15 of these folks, will you not, don't talk about just your relationship with the nonprofit. Talk about what are they struggling with today, like their business, like what most of these folks are probably in business or maybe not, but what do they care about? Like what's going on right now in their lives? that really impacts them, <laughs> you know, and impacts how they live their life. And I think understanding, again, trying to get these nuggets of, you know, what they really care about today, what really 
runs their motor and really gets them excited. And knowing what those things are really helps you as a brand, again, reach them on a level beyond just on the surface, you know, the, the surface level things and getting down to the real visceral needs of what they expect because their expectation, I will give you a great example. Most of the research I'm looking at today says it's not enough anymore for a brand, you know, to stand for something, to advocate for something. Your customer base, donor base, your employees, they expect you to take action. What are you doing to really invest in whatever the cause is that you're advocating? Like, what are you doing? And they want you to communicate to them that to them. You know, that goes with, you know, if I'm a don donor, I want to know where the dollars go. But they, they want more than that. What are you doing for your employees? That's one of the things that's really changed off is that today, donors, consumers, they're looking at brands and saying, how do these brands treat their employees? That, and there's research to show that that impacts how loyal they are to you as a brand and whether they're actually going to invest in your brand and how you treat employees. That did not exist five years ago. That's a new phenomenon, but it's very important. So again, newsletters, are you talking, are you highlighting employees? Are you telling people about the great people that work at your organization and the you know, the awards they're winning, the recognition they deserve, the great things they're doing. That excites your donors and, and customers. So you've given us um, a few really good tools. One tool is to have an advisory board that you can go to and have conversations with. Um, a second tool is those one-on-one -on -one conversations. And then the third tool is obviously to use things like your, your newsletter to make sure that you're highlighting your employees and showing how well you're treating your employees. But I'm interested in a story. Do you have a story of a nonprofit that you've worked with that you helped them with some of these tools? And what did that look like? Absolutely. If it's okay, I'd like to give you an example of a, a higher ed client that work that we work with. It's an all-girls uh, high school here in St. Louis called Ursuline Academy. We just finished a branding campaign uh, for Ursuline. And what I would say about the St. Louis market, oddly enough, we have more private high schools per capita than most cities in the US. So there's a lot of competition, correct? So you're a private all-girls school. You have 10 other high schools that do exactly what you do. We went through our whole branding process. And again, your why statement, right? What we found out and what I, I found fascinating is what exists at Ursuline Academy, I'll call it a culture of belonging. I would say it's an intangible thing, but it's really not. We talked to a number of students. We talked to a number of um, employees, um, faculty and staff about what it is that makes this experience different than other all-girl private high schools. And it really came down to how hard they work to make every student feel like they can belong there. They can find their place there, right? So now, don't get me wrong. High academics, you know, except, you know, a number of sports programs, a number of clubs, that's all important, right? And every, But everybody has that. 
What's really important here is that a young eighth grade, you know, young female student can come there, no matter what walk of life, and instantly feel like they belong. And if you look at all the research today, uh, market research being done uh, against this audience, belonging is very, very important. The need to belong. And you know that. I mean, that's not just young women. That's all of us, right? We want to feel like we belong to something. But I would tell you that that culture that exists there, that's been built there, that's instilled there, all the faculty, they all know that that's part of what they have, not just teach these young women, but to get them to really feel like they belong to something bigger. Because when you get them to believe that, what does that lead to? A stronger alumni, right? A really strong alumni, engaged alumni. Like when you graduate from Ursuline, you still feel, I just attended their 175th anniversary last weekend. The number of people that still come back, number of women that have been out of there for 40 years, there's something there. And that became the brand. That's not where we started. We didn't know where this was going, right? And we found that to be their strongest differentiator. And I can give you a, you know, they support that. As I said, they, everybody there knows that's part of their job is to get every young woman to find a place at Ursuline, find how they can belong. And once that happens, it's transformational for the students for the four years that they are there. And that to me is a great example of, that's real empathy because you're getting down to the need for belonging and you're helping address that for these young women and their parents who also are looking for that for these for these young women. So you've gone from belonging to really community because you talked about how people stay a part of the community for decades and decades. So I know you also talk about creating community around your brand. Yes. You know, there's nobody better. <laughs> there's nobody better to promote your brand than what I would call those those raging fans, I guess is what Southwest Airlines call them. But the the folks, the advocates, the people that really, really buy in to your mission and your why. And those, you know, you have to nurture those uh, folks, Dolph. You can't take them for granted. They are really, you know, call it your loyalty club. Call it your, again, your advisory board. These are the people that have to go out in the community and get asked, why are you so uh, supportive of the Archdiocese of St. Louis? Well, here's why. These are the folks that are telling that personal experience of what makes them such a, a fan of your organization and its mission. So I think, you know, organizations, nonprofits need to work hard to communicate to those types of what I would, they don't necessarily have to be your largest donors, they could be, but it's those folks that have given to your organization for years or they volunteer all the time. What are you doing to acknowledge them? And this doesn't have to be over the top thank you ads, you know, in the newspapers or whatever. This is a personal note. Uh, at Ursuline, I'm on the board over there. We do personal phone calls, all the board members. We call these what I call fans of the uh, of the academy every year 
to thank them for their support, whether that's in time, whether that's in what they're they're giving. But I think that acknowledgement, and again, those are the people who are going to tell you what they like and what can change, you know, what, what, what they like about your brand and what maybe you could do to improve. So I think that's a very, very important thing that, again, no matter who you are, acknowledging, pick 25 people that really make, you know, you believe are making an impact for your nonprofit, whether that's an employee, a donor, a volunteer, and send them a thank you card, send them a gift card. So, so Tim, so I, I want to split this in two for a second, because I think you started off talking about those raging fans, what some might call super fans. And then I think we kind of pivoted to the donor and every donor. And all of our donors are not super fans. I know we wish they were. They were not. Right. And, and so let's stay with the super fans for a minute. And as I think about super fans, I think in this day and age, there's some really great ways to identify who our super fans are. You know, so our super fans are those people who are always sharing our content on Facebook or LinkedIn or wherever we are. Like, like if someone is always liking or always sharing, guess what? They're one of your super fans. If you have a boring annual meeting and someone shows up every single year for your annual meeting, they're a super fan. Absolutely. So let me ask you, once we identify those super fans, how do we use empathy to help them build even more community for our organization. Yes. And this is, you know, most of us have maybe just a handful, which which to me is an opportunity because now we're talking one-on-one interactions. Can they have coffee with the executive director? Can the executive director reach out? Or a board member, the president of the board, and say, we'd like to pick your brain. Not, we want to ask you for more money. We want to pick your brain about the operations of our nonprofit. We got some things on how we're delivering to our donor base. I want to talk to you about our strategy. Now they feel some ownership. They feel like they're getting a little bit of the inside track. And that input you will get from that coffee or that phone conversation. Some folks are not coffee happy hour type people, but just a phone conversation, not a focus. They don't want to be on with everybody else. A one-on-one interaction with those 5, 10, 15 people where there's not an agenda. The agenda is, can you provide me the organization input to make us better as we go forward to our donor base? Because you've been so loyal and you've been you know, such a great advocate. I think the other thing you touched on, I just would like to touch on is, again, we when we're building out a social media strategy for a nonprofit, you mentioned it. What are we doing to encourage folks to share our content? Sometimes we have to reach out, not, you know, we could put it out there and encourage them to share, but you know, what's wrong again, when you're talking to a potential donor to say, Hey, are you on our social media channels? Yeah. Hey, do you mind sharing when you see something you like? People don't think about that dog. They don't understand the power of it, but they're happy to do it. But how can we, I would recommend on any newsletter, any, uh, anything we're doing to that donor base or that employee base, always doing, Hey, don't forget to share our content on Facebook, Instagram, blah, blah, because it's so powerful. Yeah. So, I, and if I can supersize what you were suggesting, so I do think, okay, if you're the chief executive and you invite, 
your super fans, again, probably not many of them, five to 10, who are sharing your content on social media over and over again and liking it, et cetera. If you, if at the end of that meeting, you were just to say, hey, can we take a selfie? And then you post it on social media. And hey, you know, j- you know, j- just met with Tim. He's a, he's an incredible ambassador for our organization. Then Tim's going to share it. Tim's going to send it out, and Tim is going to feel really, um, frankly, like he's a super important person and really important in the life of this organization. Absolutely. And here's another great example. You know, everybody does public relations at some level. You want to get an article, or maybe you get a news story. The obvious is, okay, if we get if we need a quote, we're going to get our president to do it or we're going to get our marketing person to do it. We, depending on the story, I like to get a donor maybe to do a quote or the story because they're looking at it. You know what I'm saying? And that that that's thinking a little bit out of the box. Like somebody that they're intimately involved in your brand, but they bring another perspective that somebody internally can't. So I look for those opportunities as well to pitch a story where I might be able to use um, a donor. And it could be, you know, the success of an event. You had a big 50th anniversary event. You're going to do a newsletter or a news, I'm sorry, you're going to do a press release. Why not have somebody, uh, again, a board member, a donor saying, I was there. I tell you what, I just, this organization does so many good things, um, you know. And, and let's face it, nobody, people today don't want to go to every event. But if, somebody can associate a donor actually being quoted says something about their engagement and that this organization must be doing something pretty special. Absolutely. And Tim, I feel a little bad because I know we had some technical issues today and and we batch record the podcast. It seems we have a little more limited time than usual. So I want us to jump to our two truths and a lie segment. So I am hoping that you will share two truths and a lie, and I will try to guess which one is the lie. And and just so you know, I'm uh, I'm zero and two so far today. So I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping this is where my losing streak ends. Go ahead. I'm going to try to help you out because I probably don't have a great poker face at all. Okay, here are my three. I'm a direct descendant of Ponce de Leon. My wife and I have hiked to the top of Half Tome and back in 10 hours, and we've never hiked more than three or four miles. And my, <laughs> and my third one is I live in St. Louis in a haunted house. Okay. So um, your last name is Leon. So I'm, I do think you probably are a descendant of Ponce de Leon. I I think you probably did do the hike. And I know you live in St. Louis, but I don't think your house is haunted. You are correct, sir. My Ooh, house all is right. haunted. Good. My losing streak is broken. So when I looked at your face for a moment, it's like, no way. Am I really 0-3? Okay, awesome. And, and for you, I'm so grateful that your house is not haunted, unless that's what you really wanted. I'm so grateful yeah, your kinda, house is not haunted. Yeah, I kind of thought of that because of the whole Halloween thing coming up. But you read right through it, which I don't have a very good poker face. So I'm glad I was able to end your streak. That, that That's awesome. I am super, I'm super pumped about that. I will just share with our friends who are listening. We are planners at Successful Nonprofits. So we are recording this on 
like I think the 16th of October in 2023. This is not scheduled to be released until March of 2024. So when you hear Halloween, the only the reason is because we really we're just we're major planners at successful nonprofits, and we don't really do rush work. So um, anyway, just FYI, Tim, thank you, thank you for being on today, and and let's make sure that all of our friends know how to reach out to you, so they can they can go to your organization's website, your agency's website. It's Gail Leon. Dot com. That's G-E-I-L-E-O-N.com. And when you're at that website, friend, you can also check out their ROE, that's Return on Empathy White Paper. It is an incredibly good document. I downloaded it. I read it. I learned stuff last week as I was preparing for this interview that I know I am going to be using both with my clients and in my own consulting practice. Additionally, Tim has a LinkedIn newsletter. So if you are like me, if you are a super user of LinkedIn, you can become one of Tim's super fans by subscribing to the newsletter and sharing some of the content. Tim, thank you again for coming on. I'm incredibly grateful that you shared really how we can be using empathy to not only market and brand our organizations, but how to build community. Dolph, thank you so much. I'm a big fan, and I think it's a testament to the success of this podcast that you're three or four months out with your guests. I mean, that that's really incredible. Congratulations. Well, thank you. And friend, if you found this episode was useful for you as you think about your branding and your marketing, and also, frankly, building community, there's two more episodes that you absolutely need to listen to. And by the way, these two episodes were released within a few weeks of each other. The first is episode 246, Attention-Grabbing Marketing with Dan Shepling. And then the second is episode 249, Crafting Your Brand with Amanda Ross. So I know you heard us talking a lot about brand today. And if you started to scratch your head and go, well, I wonder what my organization's brand is, make sure that you listen to episode 249 with Amanda Ross. It will really help you understand how to craft that brand. And today's episode, we talked a lot about empathy. And I just want to leave you with the very human reminder that empathy has the power to transform not just the lives of those around us, but when we practice empathy, our own lives change for the better as well. And so a commitment that I'm going to make is today and for the rest of my day, I'm really going to try to engage with the people around me with as much empathy as I possibly can. That, my friends, is our episode for the week. I hope that you have gained some insight to help you and your nonprofit thrive. And the lawyers always make me say it, and it's just because they require I do this disclaimer. I'm not an accountant nor an attorney, and neither I nor the consulting practice provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. I think it's funny the lawyers make me do this every time because I don't think we talked about tax, legal, or accounting advice. But this podcast, this episode, and all the episodes of it are for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for... Yep, yep, you know what I'm going to say, tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please, if that is what you need, find a licensed, qualified person in your area and get the counsel you need.